So Money Episode 907, Deborah Roberts, author of The Relationship Protocol. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. If you told me that you had two people who knew that if they sit face to face, it's too difficult because it's intimidating, makes them feel vulnerable or makes them angry and and emailing each other works for them, I would say more power to you. How do you talk money with your partner? Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. If you are in the midst of a financial issue with your loved one, if you're at odds, and if money is a leading stress in your relationship, this episode's for you. Our special guest today is Deborah Roberts. She's a licensed certified social worker who has spent more than 20 years helping clients of her private practice learn how to communicate more effectively with one another. She's worked with couples to improve communication at home, as well as business owners to help them improve engagement in the workplace. We focus a lot today on financial conversations, how to have difficult money talks with your partner, and also how to have a better money relationship with yourself. Welcome to the show, Deborah Roberts. Deborah Roberts, welcome to So Money. Thank you, Farnoosh. Glad to be here. I'm so glad you're here. You know, I really want to get into some concrete advice for listeners around how to properly communicate about money, not just in your life as a ambitious human being who wants to accomplish all these financial goals, but in a relationship. You know, it's no secret that so many couples have difficulty talking about money and coming to an agreement around money in their relationship. And there's a lot of arguments that can stem from money, different which can then lead to divorce. So uh, you're going to help us just avoid all of that. Thank you. Uh, early <laughs> thank you to that. But also I want to talk about you know how you got to this place in your career as the go-to expert for what you've coined is the relationship protocol, how to talk, diffuse, and build healthier relationships. This is the title of your book, but it's also really what it summarizes your life's work is helping people build healthier relationships, whether that is your personal relationship with your partner or a business relationship. Could you also extend that to just a relationship with yourself? We have relationships with ourselves. Like our self-talk can sometimes get us in trouble. Absolutely. We have relationships with ourselves and with others in every capacity, every aspect of our lives, for sure. And really, like I read read through your book and I know your work uh, and I know you, and it sounds to me like at the end of the day, what is the backbone of a healthy relationship and what makes the relationship protocol work? is effective communication. So could could you even just call this the communication protocol? Because really, like, it's all about how we connect and communicate, which, why aren't we better at it? You know, it's so interesting. When I was writing the book, I I actually had moments where I thought to myself, do I really need to write this? Like, doesn't everybody know it? Because yeah. as you can see, when you look at my book, it's so basic. It, you know, it's almost like, duh, <laughs> like, doesn't everybody know that you should be kind and that you don't have to bicker back and forth and you don't have to take it personally and, you know, simple things like that. But we don't know that. And we see it all the time. Uh, we see it on television. We see it in our homes. 
at the office, people don't know sometimes the basic skills and primarily because they weren't taught that. It's not a course in school. It doesn't happen in a lot of homes. It's true. And I think, um, you know, we're going to talk later about how to address all of this with the money component of your relationship. But I think in general, I mean, I'm thinking about my own relationship with my husband. And sometimes when you disagree over things, it's, it's, it is hard to sometimes stop and consciously, you have to be consciously nice sometimes because your, your instinct may be to kind of like go at this person because you're so, you're just so filled with emotion. Well, first of all, nobody's perfect at this. I'm certainly not perfect at any of this, but I try really hard. And that's all we can ask of anybody. It's a matter of being more relational, as they say, so that when I'm having a conversation with my partner or someone I care about, that's also in my head. My, my thinking shifts toward the relationship and how we are doing. What's happening between us is as important to me as how I'm feeling. That's the goal of having a difficult conversation is going to be more successful if my energy is about us and we're on the same team. I'm not going to say things to you that I'm going to regret later if that's my perspective. It's such a simple mindset shift, but I think that for me, when I read that in your book, it was like, oh my gosh, I felt like the clouds parted because I was like, yeah, of course, it's it's, it's less of a conflict to, to just focus on that common ground that you have that is what you are in this relationship for in, in the first place. It's something that I often also hear about when it comes to money conflict in a relationship, make it less about, well, you're a, a, a spender, you're not good with money and make it more about what are our goals and how is our mm-hmm. behavior, how can our behavior support this goal? Right. Also, it, it doesn't become personal. It doesn't feel like a personal attack. Exactly. That's the, precisely what I want people to do. I want the orientation of the conversation to be, we are in this together. How can we accomplish the goal? This isn't my, uh, I'm in control of this and you're not, because that's not going to feel good for either one of us. The, the end result is that we both walk away from this conversation feeling heard. We may not agree, but at least you need to know what's important to me. And maybe that will help you to bend a little bit if you're actually listening to me rather than being turned off or defensive. So our energy during the conversation is, again, how do I want the other person to feel? is an orientation toward the other person. The perspective is that during this conversation, they are important. They're as important as I am. I cared about them before we started this conversation. That's what I always like to say. You know, um, I I always tell the story that many years ago when my now husband was my boyfriend, we were having a conversation and he said to me, you know, you're really defensive or you're giving me that tone. And I got really ticked off and I kind of walked away. And then I thought to myself, you know, I really liked this guy before he said that to me. And I trusted a lot of what he said before he said that. So maybe there's some validity to what he's saying. Hmm. I think we have to remind ourselves that our partner isn't necessarily saying something to hurt our feelings. And we give them the benefit of the doubt, which is part of the model. If I look at you from the perspective of giving you the benefit of the doubt, then I'm going to be more open to what you're saying. Your intention is not to hurt me, but to have a conversation that's a difficult topic. See, now in that scenario, you are practicing your own relationship protocol. You mentioned in the book that sometimes there's going to be one partner in the relationship that's a little bit more invested in saying the right things, having the right mindset, Mm -hmm. 
How do you get your other partner on board when you want to have a difficult conversation about your money? And this is already fraught with emotion. And how do you kind of reel in your partner and also get this person to start communicating in an, in an effective, impactful way? Again, without making it about hurt feeling, without hurting feelings, without making the other person feel judged and all the things. In those situations, it's really important to prepare yourself for the conversation because you know you're going to be challenged. So if you have a few bullet points that you know you want to bring up and if you make sure the timing is good, you don't have the conversation right before anybody's going to sleep or they're running out the door, ask, do you have time to talk about this? (laughs) You know what I mean? It's it's a simple thing, but it's true. And most of us don't even have that kind of time. So you have to schedule the time to have the conversation. I always want to talk about like refinancing the mortgage, like right before bed. Or you said with margaritas in hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the running joke (laughs) in my household is that I always like bring up like really serious financial things like right before bed, you know, or right after a long day. Like, should we move? <laughs> right. Everybody does that, by the way. Yeah. You are not alone. Should I uh, you right. know, incre- increase my retirement contributions? Um, yeah, I know. It's, it's so true. <laughs> now, I'd love to explore a little bit more about your personal – I love the story that you have with your husband and like going even further back in time. Did you ever feel like there were some kerfuffles in your relationship that, that you failed at, you know, that now looking back, you would have done things differently? maybe even again around something financial? I think that not from a financial perspective, and then I can talk about that in a sec, but in a relationship perspective, I know that I would get very defensive very easily early on. I felt very protective of myself, probably because of other relationships where I should have been more protective of myself. So when my husband would talk to me about certain things or bring things to my attention, I really had no interest in hearing what he had to say fully, as fully as I should have. And it really caused a lot of angst between us until one day I realized I need to figure this out because I'm now the cause of the problems. And I think that's a hard thing to come to terms with when you take a hard look at yourself. And you're supposed to be, at the time, I don't know that I considered myself the relationship person, but I was a therapist. And I wasn't bringing a lot of self-awareness to the table. And it's such a critical part is Mm -hmm. to be aware of who you are. Be really present during the conversations. That's why I said having one late at night, you're just kind of half there, (laughs) half maybe looking at your phone. You know, you have to be 100% present when you're having a difficult conversation and also acknowledge this is going to be a a difficult conversation. Let's try to do this um, carefully. Let's take it slowly. And if it starts to, you know, go off the path, then we want it to go on. Let's bring it back. Let's take a break, be respectful, that type of a thing. In terms of, are you asking of money mistakes? Is that what Or, or differences around money. Yeah. And that, that you couldn't for somehow, for some reason, reconcile or come to agreement on. I came from a family where we didn't really talk about money and we didn't, really focus on saving. And then I became a social worker who was more of a service-oriented person than, again, a money-oriented person. I think that, and my husband came from a family that was different. They were more saving-oriented and they talked about it. 
so I didn't want to have the conversations and we didn't have the conversations because if one person refuses, it's hard to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. And it really wasn't until a number of years into our marriage. And he is not um, pushy in that way. You know, he gave me space to do and think the way that I needed to think at that point. And then at, at some point down the road, he said, okay, enough. We really need to change how we're looking at this because this is not a smart way to be. Tell us a little bit about maybe a money memory growing up that was really impactful that now as an adult, this is like a captured scene in your childhood that really in some ways either you know illustrates the, you know, you already mentioned like you didn't really talk about money growing up as a kid, but like was take us to a scene about that or, or, or maybe something that you learned that was really helpful, a conversation that you witnessed, anything that was instrumental in your the way that you think about money growing up now as an adult? I can tell you that it was so, money was so not discussed that when I was filling out my college applications and I went to my father because they have the financial piece, he refused to fill it out and give it back to me. Oh. He said, complete, complete the application and then give it to me. I'll do the financials, have it in an envelope ready to go and you'll mm-hmm. mail it. Yeah. And I mean, that's how private and not discussed it was. It wasn't even just not a topic that was discussed. He wasn't going to talk about it Mm -hmm. intentionally. And I still don't know why. And he's not around for me to ask. But that definitely did influence me because I I just didn't really think too much about money, to be honest. It never it, it wasn't a priority because it was never in my face to behave a certain way. Right. Or in my mindset, it, it, I wasn't encouraged. I had great parents, but in this area, I really do feel that they fell short. And that's always been a disappointment to me because I was late to the party with saving. I think that that's not uncommon. Even today, parents shield the, at least the, because, you know, what is he filling out on that form? His salary, right? Um, right. Household, mm-hmm. financials that, you know, if a kid came up to you, if your kid came up to you and said, mom, how much do you make? I mean, that's, you might tell him eventually, but it's something that you're maybe not prepared to answer. And then you're wondering about, mm-hmm. well, will this become conversation in the lunchroom at school? And then other, you know, and I think that traditionally people, True. at least like older generations, a lot of their self-worth was tied to their net worth, right? So if this becomes now public information or maybe your child was expecting a higher number, what does that say about their perception of your work and career and all that? So it needs to be part of Mm -hmm. a larger conversation. And if your parents were already not in the mood or in the the place to have the conversation, I think that it made it even more difficult. I, I think it does. I think the not sharing the number is common, but because it was intrinsically a part of how my family functioned, yeah. it fit in with the profile and it encouraged me to just not really, okay, you know, I guess it's either not important or it's too private. So whatever. So if you're um, listening to this podcast and you want to have a money conversation with your partner tonight, because who knows, maybe you want to buy a house together. Maybe your partner's got some debt. Maybe you have some conflict around just how to manage the money in your household. And you haven't really talked about money yet. And you're kind of nervous to gauge the topic. Can you give us a quick script, (laughs) Uh, Deborah? just like a really easy kind of crib sheet for how to prepare and then how to break the ice? Absolutely. 
I would start by acknowledging, as I mentioned before, acknowledge, hey, this is a difficult conversation for us. It's a sensitive, hot topic for most couples or I guess we're talking about couple. Um, and a reminder, let's let's do this. Let's be respectful of each other and start with stating your intention. We want to get along. We don't want to fight with each other. Let's make this a positive conversation. And if you know there's going to be a disagreement, sometimes it's better to have one person talk and state what's going on for them, what their opinion is or what they would like to see happen. Let them finish if possible. And then the other person can ask them questions respectfully. Nobody has to get defensive because the intention is not to be hurtful, just to be curious. But you have to be open and curious and very present. Then the other person can talk about what their opinions are and what they would like to see happen. Again, ask them questions and then see what 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 came out of that? Are there common factors? Are there areas of overlap? Is there such a differing of opinion? What's more important to one of you or who has more knowledge about it? What else can you do research about? Mm-hmm. You're in it together is the key. And nobody should feel like they're made to feel stupid or uninformed as much as that there's opportunity to have a discussion around a tough topic and feel proud of yourself that you were able to do it. I just want to add one more thing to that. That's like the framework for having the conversation, Mm -hmm. but also have a communication perspective or relationship perspective so that even if you're disagreeing, you don't have to feel defensive because you know that how you feel is important to your partner, just as how they feel is important to you. So the, the connection of we need to pay attention to how my partner's reacting to this. If I'm talking about my opinion and my partner is like totally shutting down or getting angry, I'm going to stop what I'm saying right in that moment because what's happening between us is more important than the conversation, than the topic of money. And I'm going to say, what's going on? And they're going to say, well, I don't like the way you're talking to me or whatever it is. And then I'm going to check myself and say, okay, let me try this again. Yeah. Not going to get defensive. I'm just going to try it again because it's a tough topic and it triggers people. Mm-hmm. So if you're getting triggered, you have to be able to say, you know what? I need to take a break. It's everybody taking care of themselves and the other person. Not This isn't every man for themselves. <laughs> Is there a benefit to doing some of this communication over email? I know it sounds weird because you're living together and you should be able to talk about things face to face, but maybe even just as a way to set up the expectations for the conversation. Again, this might seem really inappropriate, some might say, because you should be able to talk to your partner openly. But again, this is really sensitive stuff and you want to have the right words. Mm -hmm. So what do you think about that? I would say if you told me that you had two people who knew that if they sit face to face, it's too difficult because it's intimidating or makes them feel vulnerable or makes them angry and, and emailing each other works for them, I would say more power to you. I just want people to be talking to each other. Yeah. So right. wouldn't be the preferred method, but mm-hmm. there's no judgment here. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I, I want piece of people to be able to have healthy, positive, basic conversations around all topics. I want them to be able to initiate a conversation, resolve their differences. It's just not so complicated as it feels. Right. It's the emotional, it's the emotion attached to the topic or the history or the triggers. Like, you know, when you interview people, you always ask about growing up and the, the influences mm-hmm. that they had and how money makes them feel and all of that. And now you have an adult 
sitting across from you as your partner who had that history, and that's part of what they're reacting to. Not, not everything, but that's some of what triggers us, how we were made to feel or how we understand money or how it scares us. And so we bring that to a conversation. And if we're present and we're aware of how we're feeling, we can say to the other person, you know, that now we're entering into territory that's making me nervous or, right. you know, you seem like you're getting angry and, you know, you're kind of navigating it as you're going and narrating in some mm-hmm. ways too. What do you think about, Deborah? some of the studies out there about gender differences when it comes to communication? So, you know, we, there's so many books and studies on the topic of um the gender dynamics. And I know like this is a bit of a controversial thing to even say that, you know, that men and women potentially interpret and think differently when it comes to similar things. Um, I know when I was doing research for When She Makes More, I talked to gender experts who were definitely in the camp that generally speaking, you know, men and women have a different way of communicating, or at least like we interpret things differently. And um, that it would behoove if people who are in heterosexual relationships to kind of understand some of those best practices, so to speak, when it comes to getting your partner to get on board for, you know, and, and like communicating and connecting. Um, and I just wonder in your experience, does that ever come up? Do you ever think, do you think that's even true? Do you think that there's any advice worth giving around that? So I'll take it one step further. I'll say in all close relationships, whether it's uh, gender related or not, you always have to know who is on the other side of the interaction and how they communicate. Mm-hmm. So whether it's um, a man who kind of just needs bullet points, which you know many men do, then don't give them a whole flowery explanation with 16 paragraphs. Because all they really want to hear are some of the bullet points. Mm-hmm. If you're talking to, do you know what I'm saying? Yes. So if, if there are gender differences, sometimes it's more, that's a little bit of what I'll see sometimes between men and women where the, the uh, wife will want to give a full explanation with a lot of details. And I watch the husband glaze over sometimes. And I'll say to her, there's nothing wrong with what his reaction is, but that's how he always reacts to you. So instead of us criticizing him or giving him a hard time for that, which he should be paying more attention, (laughs) but she also needs to know who she's dealing with. Yeah. And if she wants him to listen, she may have to accommodate. It's like, you know, talking to your children, different ages, you give different information. Yes. So talking to each other as adults, we have to know who we're talking to. That's so true. To know how to address the conversation sometimes and adapt it, modify it somewhat. So bouncing around a little bit, but, you know, I'm still thinking about your childhood and money and the uh, <laughs> how that has left you feeling about money today. What? How would you describe your relationship with money today, Deborah? Much better than it was. It was definitely something that I didn't think too much about. Then I went through a period where it made me uncomfortable because I didn't really know what to do with it. And I think once we got our finances settled and um, in the hands of a good planner, it's a, it's a different relationship now. Mm-hmm. And I'm also running a business now, whereas before I, what we were kind of not living hand to mouth, but it was a tighter experience when I was doing more nonprofit work. Mm-hmm. Um, 
now that I'm working with businesses and having private practice and doing different things, there's more opportunity for saving, which I know you're going to ask me for retirement. That's my goal. Yeah. <laughs> That's my big goal. Your goal is to retire. That's good. <laughs> One day. <yes>. One day. <laughs> um, Although I love working, I have to say. I, I, and I am on a mission to get the world to be communicating better. Mm-hmm. It sounds so corny, but you know I am. Well, this month, in partnership with our sponsor, Chase, we're asking guests on the topic of financial planning, what's one thing that for you, Deborah, equates to financial security Um, when it comes to managing your money and financial planning? What's one thing that you attempt to do or do regularly that helps you to feel more secure with your finances? Well, I opened up a separate account that I never had before that I use for my my business before it was a big joint account. And that gave me some sense of accomplishment, but also some independence. And then I take a percentage of that and percentage goes into saving, a percentage goes into our home expenses. And that has felt like it's given me more control over our finances on a regular basis from my end. This is just your for yourself? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, it's good to have the, the autonomy. Well, I mean... It's not a secret account. Right. It's no, just no, no. that my, you know what I mean? <laughs> of course. Um, but I think to just to yeah. sort of feel like you have a little bit of, you know, independence. Well, then I can essentially pay myself a salary versus right. everything is, is pooled of money, which is what it was initially. Okay. The relationship protocol is available everywhere books are sold online. We will be sure to put the link for it on our website. Before we leave though, just one last question. And this is something that I have not asked a lot of guests recently. And I don't know why. I think we just get carried away and I forget, but this is so important to answer. And it goes like this. I'm Deborah Roberts. I'm so money because... (laughs) Great. I am so money... Because I help to transform people's lives and all aspects of their lives so they can have richer relationships and healthier communication. How about that? I love that. It's so important. Yeah. It's it's like you said, it sounds like a no like of course I need that, but so few of us actually mm-hmm. do this consciously. Um so thank you for your work. Thank you for making the book so that we can all have access to this. So in case you're not able to sit down on a couch with Deborah one on one, you can at least uh, get her counsel through the book. Thanks so much and hope you have a great summer. Thank you, you too. To learn more about Deborah on her website, check out relationshipprotocol.mykajabi.com. And she is on Instagram at The Relationship Protocol. All these links and info and audio and transcript can be found at somoneypodcast.com. Just head over there. And while you're there, if you have a question for me for our Friday episodes, click on Ask Farnoosh and leave it there. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And I hope your day is so money. So money.